30 of the Marin County Civic Center. Anyone wishing to give testimony at today's hearing, please raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear or affirm under penalty of perjury that the, whole, that the testimony you shall give in this matter shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Thank you. Now I will do roll call. Board Member Brinkerhoff. Here. Board Member Gremmels. Here. Chair Kugelman. Here. All right, good morning. Um, we had a pretty big calendar. It looks like it's kind of getting pared down a little bit. Um, uh, I guess before we get going into this, maybe Ms. Boff, you could give me kind of an update where we're at and what you kind of expect for today. Absolutely. Uh, excuse me, it's been a few years since we've been here. <laughs> Uh, we do have we do have one hearing for the day, and that's um, um, Douglas McQuinn. Um, Mr. McQuinn is here. There he is. Thank you, Mr. McQuinn. And uh, so we do we have a hearing that probably I would estimate would last maybe about um, hour one hour two hours at the most. Uh, we also have um, under we have stipulations so that maybe can be saved to the end if that pleases the board we also have uh, a few different cases where the hearing date confirmations were not received we do have one gentleman here mr. Charles cam and he would like his hearing reset to an alternate date okay and what about the um, your last name is a Newendomsky? Yes, so he has been in communication with our office. He, I believe, was intending to withdraw his um, application. However, what he sent in, he checked the box that he's um, stipulating, but that's not exactly what's happening. And we have Mr. Rick Rosales from our business division here, and he can speak on behalf of what's happening with this case. Okay, well, how about we um, start with Mr. Cam, just so he, we can reset that, let him go, and then we can move on to Mr. McQuinn's matter, and then we can kind of then do all the house cleaning for the stipulations. And, Great. Yeah. Thank you. So, Madam Clerk, if you'd call, uh, I guess, 01200010, Douglas B. McQuinn. Okay. Location is 222 Alder Drive, Polinas. Assessor Park, can't remember doing the wrong one. Oh, I'm sorry, hold on one yes, second. Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm like. It'll be just a Okay, I apologize. All right, yeah, 20101 is a case. Charles, Mc, Charles Michael Cam, Assessor Parcel number 0271901. Oh, Oh, yeah, my apologies, Mr. Cam's case. Got that. Thank you. Present. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. <clears throat> yeah, due to uh, COVID in April <clears throat> and surgery in May, I kind of lost focus on getting the certification in. So my apologies. If we could reschedule some reasonably proximate date, that would be much appreciated. Okay. Ms. Boff, what's the assessor's... Uh opinion here um we we're happy to schedule this to an alternate date and i've spoken with mr cam and um, we're also going to communicate with each other we had sent out a request for information yeah. 
and we haven't received that yet. So I brought we, it with me, by the way. Oh, that's great. Okay, so we can um, a- actually, once you get settled back over in the seat, we can grab that information from you. Okay. And uh, Madam Clerk, do we have some alternative dates for um, board number two that we can reschedule Mr. Cam's <clears throat> hearing to? We have September 23rd and November 18th available. Okay. Mr. Cam, I'll let you select. I got the choice. I'll take September. Okay. Um, one question. I see that the here or the deadline is November 5th. Do we have a waiver for that? Are we concerned about that? I have a waiver right here. Do, do you mind, Mr. Cam, just agreeing to a waiver just to extend that? We have a, a deadline to kind of issue a decision. We're just kind of close to that date. If you'd be willing to agree to that, that would yeah, that'd be fine. Easier. <clears throat> yep. The fifteenth. Oh, we'll figure that. That's it. Thank, thank you. Thank so, you. Mr. Cam, um, Dave Seavey Hi. down here at the end is going to get that information from you. Thank you so much. All right. Mr. McQuinn, now it's your turn. Sorry about that. Please call that case, Madam Clerk. It's the, uh, the very last one on the backside, 200010. B, case number 200010, Douglas McQuinn, Assessor Parcel number 1901622424. Hi. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Um, all right, let us pull up the, uh, the application. Is that in this folder? Are the application no. in this folder? <laughs> I believe that's Mr. McQuinn's um, valuation report. Okay. Once you have the application pulled up, I'll give you a little bit of history behind it, if you'd like. Okay. I didn't print them out. Oh, it's in, it's in your P drive. Oh, got it. So, but it's in, it's in your drive. Um, I have it in front of me if you want to start. Response, okay. Please. Thank you. Um, just to give the board members a little history as to what this case involves. So Mr. McQuinn purchased a piece of property in Bolinas, and he purchased that January 10th of 2018. We issued a supplemental tax bill on the, the purchase, and that supplemental tax bill was issued September 31st, 2018. Oops. I think I need to get the microphone a little closer. Um, Mr. McQuinn has four years 
from the, the date of his purchase to file an assessment appeal. And he filed um, on this a little bit later from the purchase. So what this is called is this a purchase price um, presumption appeal, or I'm sorry, purchase price perspective appeal. So that means that he's appealing the value that was enrolled for his sale. And again, the sale date is January 10, 2018. But because he's got a four-year window of time in which he can file this appeal, the actual effective date uh, in which the change would be made, it would effectively change the, the value of his purchase price on the date of purchase, January 10, 2018. But the value change wouldn't be effective until January 1st of 2020. So that's ex essentially what a purchase price um, perspective appeal is. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. W okay. What is your understanding of who has the burden in this case? In this particular case, uh, Mr. McQuinn uh, has a, a primary residence in Marin. I believe that's Woodacre, is that correct? Forest Knolls. Forest Knolls. So his primary residence is in Forest Knolls, so this is an alternative residence. And this is also um, challenging the purchase price, so that burden is on the applicant. Mr. McQuinn, what is your opinion as to uh, what she said is correct? <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we proceed? You can present your case. Okay. Um, so it's all there in writing in front of you. I'm just going to go over it for you so you can understand it. Um, excuse the, the two two two. Yes. Okay. Um, just just a matter of um, uh, housekeeping on this. So the uh, applicant has provided the valuation report to the board members. The assessor does not have the valuation report just yet. And so, um, Madam Clerk, if you can hand that to the assessor. Oh, just you. <laughs> I got a copy. Please proceed. Thank okay, you. so so this is all. I'm just going to go through this as I've presented it to you in that packet. So, um, as you're told, I purchased it uh, January 10th, 2018, for one million eight hundred ten thousand. Uh, the original contact with your department was in June of 2020. At that time, I spoke with Vera Spar. Uh, she indicated that reasonable cause of reassessment could be based on the fact that the realtor, Tom Redberg of Ocean Real Realty, represented both the selling party and myself, in addition to comparable sales within the time range of the sale of the house. I do not believe the property ever went into multiple listings. Um, it was purchased maybe two weeks after the people uh, had considered selling it. And Vera made a temporary adjustment at that time to the assessment. On uh, June 29, 2020, Vera emailed me a list of compar comparables, which are listed below on number seven. I also did some research of the comparables, and although I found a similar pricing overall, the o other properties provided more usable uh, usability in terms of yard space which is basically my contention is not with the value of the home, but the value of the property. Um, the, the 
the properties she listed are right there on seven. On my assessment appeal application on July 20th, 2020, my opinion, the value of the property was 1,400,000 versus the 1.84 million. Although I believe the value of the house may have been underassessed by about 200,000, I do believe the land itself is overassessed by about 600,000. I base this discrepancy on the land value, on the usability versus the comparables. The land is 24,000 square feet in an L shape. I recently purchased the adjacent <laughs> parcel, parcel, which is 4,000 square feet uh, for 25,000. This parcel is also closer to Alder Creek and may give some perspective to the value of the surrounding land. I realize that you know it's a different time even though uh, that would bring down, if you use it as a, a comparable, it would bring down the value of the land, but I realize that, you know, that, that may not be 100% uh, valid. On the next page, uh, I have the property comparisons, um, which show my property at 222 Alder, the adjacent property which I purchased, um, then the three comparables that I've provided 261 Larch, 400 Evergreen, and 398 Dogwood. They're all in the same neighborhood. The prices are listed accordingly. Um, subsequently, after this page, I'll, I'll, I'll break down how I feel the particulars would affect my value. But anyway, you can see the sale dates are all in the same area. The zonings are all similar. Um, the uses are all similar. The lot sizes are where the variations occur. Um, a, the living areas are spread out a little bit. Um, the ages are spread out a little bit. Bed and baths are spread out a little bit. And um, those are primarily the differences. With respect to 261 Larch, although it's in the same neighborhood, um, the price was $365,000 lower in price, in which case I would, I would request that the value of Alder would be reduced down. It was sold five months before, so therefore there'd be no adjustment. Same zoning, no adjustment. Usage, no adjustment. Uh, the tw it's twice the lot size, so I would also adjust Alders down accordingly. Larger living area, I would also adjust Alder's value down. Built more recently, I would adjust Alder's down. More baths, less beds with possible conversion of den, etc. no adjustment. So the basis of the reconciliation on that property would be during the same five-month period in the same neighborhood, this home sold for 1445000 um, which is $365,000 less than 222 Alder. Despite having a larger home, larger and more usable lot, and being more recently constructed and remodeled, a request reassessment adjustment for, in relation to that particular property, uh, bring my, the property of 222 Alder down $500,000, 1310000 Mr. McQuinn, if I can, um, I so, I'm sorry to break your pace. Um, Madam Clerk? I believe I had emailed a request to um, findings on this case. 
I just want to make sure that that goes on the record that the assessor is requesting findings and I apologize I should have recalled that a little bit earlier okay thank you it's just for the board members reference that the assessor is requesting findings okay. I apologize That's okay um, so the next property second property is 400 evergreen it's also in the same neighborhood no adjustment uh, the price was actually $5,000 higher, minor, minor adjustment up in the value of Alder. Same zoning, no adjustment. Usage, no adjustment unless, you know, it's considered an income property. Its uh, acreage is 0.07 acres larger, adjust uh, Alder value down slightly. More usable lot space, adjust Alder down. 78 square feet less living area, minor adjustment Alder up. Build date, five years newer, newer minor adjustment, altered down. More beds, same baths, minor adjustment, altered down. So the basis of reconciliation on 400 Evergreen would be that uh, during the same month period and in the same neighborhood, this home sold for 1815000 5000 more than 222 Alder. Even though most of the comparable components are similar, the difference in the potential use of the land is significant. Please refer to realtor.com for pictures that show the sites. I have included following this uh, uh, recent realtor uh, uh, printouts of those properties. Um, it's also uh, has a larger and level lot requested reassessment adjustment for that property would be minus 400,000. Again, this is, this adjustment's based primarily on the use of the lot area, not the house. Uh, the third property comparison would be 398 Dogwood, same neighborhood, no adjustment, $920,000 lower price, value up on 222 Alder, even though the comparables don't really match in terms of size and so forth. Uh, it was sold one month before, no adjustment, same zoning, uh, same usage. Lot size is half the lot size, so value of Alder would go up, but more usable lot space, so the value would go down. Less usable living space, uh, value would go up. Older building date, value would go up for Alder. One less half bath, value would go up for Alder. Uh, so the basis of reconciliation on that property uh, during the same one-month period and in the same neighborhood, this whole home sold for $890,000, $920,000 less than 222 Alder. The difference in price is contributed to it being a smaller, older home. Even though it isn't easily comparable to the other homes, I feel the usable lot space should be considered when determining the, reass the assessed <coughs> value. The re a re, I would re, I'm sorry. I would request adjustment for the 222 alder down 300,000 to 1,510,000. ten I've also included uh, the lot I've purchased uh, at 315 Hawthorne, which was contiguous with my property. Uh, was purchased uh, for 25,000. Uh, basis of reconciliation on that, even though it's not in the same period, is that it's lot properties are similar to the characteristics of 222 Alder lot. It's, 
it's one sixth that of two 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 alder, and at twenty five thousand for one six, that that would extrapolate out to one hundred and fifty thousand for the two 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 alder lot. I realize there are other considerations when making this comparison. My my intention is to point out that two 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 alder lot has been over assessed, and I would re request the adjustment for two 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 alder down five hundred thousand to one million three hundred and ten thousand. Other considerations um, when I purchased the home needed to be fumigated for termites. It needed to be pressure washed and a sealer applied, painted interior, added a st structural support beam below the master bedroom, and replacing the fence along the street. So, in conclusion, on page five. Uh, as I mentioned in the introductory letter to Constance, my primary dispute is based on the assessed value of the land with respect to the information I have provided and the feedback from your department. I'm requesting that the property at 222 Alder be reassessed for January 2018 at 1,400,000. So following that, I've included um, the my property as well as the adjacent lot and the three comparable properties. I've underlined the uh, original selling price and the details that were mentioned in the uh, comparison chart. So that, that concludes my representation um, can I ask you just to describe you know what your lot is like and then using the term usable okay describe what you imagine the okay so you you really have to be there to see it but basically my road my home slopes down about I'd say 30 degrees from the street down to what you might consider Alder Creek but it's really uh, where the creek originates so when, when it rains that whole area is unusable, at least a one-third of it. Um, and it's covered in trees and brush and so forth. So obviously, it could be cleared out. But the other properties are all level, all lo uh, and much more usable property. That's what I mean by usable. Is, is a portion of your, I think it's like 0.55 acreage, is a portion of that flat and level? It's never None of it's flat, but the front yard and the backyard, the, the immediate uh, let's say 50 feet in front or 50 feet in back directly uh, and maybe 20 feet on either side is has been landscaped and it's functional isn't subject to the weather and uh, it's not level but it's definitely usable and there's no there's no argument about that and then you mentioned at the outset about Realtor was representing both sides of the transaction. Right. You just tell me a little bit about your relationship with that realtor, what your understanding when purchasing the property was regarding that relationship. And well, primarily, what I did was I bought this property because my girlfriend lives and we've been together for 20 years. She lives in Bolinas, and I was just trying to, uh, you know, get a home for her out there so she could live out there. Um, and uh, she's the one that referred me to the realtor. He's a local realtor. There's like two or three of them out there. 
And uh, I looked at a couple of places with him, and then he said that this house was coming on the market. So I went and looked at it with my girlfriend, and we decided to uh, purchase it for the asking price with, without, uh, you know, any stipulations. Did, were you aware that he, that the realtor was representing the seller as well? Yes. And had the property actually been listed? Was it on MLS? That's um, I, I couldn't figure that out, but I do know that they were uh, – Within a week or two, they had decided to sell it, and then we made the purchase. So he may, you know, it's been four years. I can't tell you exactly what our conversation with him was, but I know it was going to go on multiple listings. Whether it did or not, I don't know. Okay. There was no other offer. They took our offer because it was right out of the books, and they didn't have to have to go through any other procedures. Um. Did you do any like independent research? Did you get an appraiser <coughs> or any 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 other way to kind of figure out valuation just besides what had been presented to you from the broker? No, I knew that prices were going up in Bolinas, you know, and and uh, I did want to buy a pr property out there, and the properties were fairly limited what was on market. Okay, and then I guess, um, and I'm sorry, you may have answered this, but did, did the realtor ever provide any comparables? You know, no, like, the realtor didn't. No. I mean, I did look at one other house with him. It was uh, one and a quarter. It was in the, in the same uh, same area, but it was and it was flatter land. But the house wasn't something I liked. So. Okay. And, and were you aware of any of these other comparables at the time that you purchased it in two thousand? Um, I was aware of the Evergreen one. I looked at the Evergreen one. And in your opinion, what was the difference between and what, why did you did you pursue the Evergreen property or was it something they just did wasn't quite right for whatever reason? Um, I didn't make an offer on it um, at the time. I just wanted to keep looking around, and uh, you know, when it came down to those two houses, <coughs> those listings. Either of my board members, fellow board members, have a, any questions at this time? I don't know. Not right now. So the assessor does not have any further questions. Um, if the board would like, the assessor would like to proceed with their presentation. Please. Okay, thank you. So we do, Madam Clerk, we do have the valuation reports that you can hand out to the board members as well as the applicant.
Okay. It goes on. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you. It's great to all be here in person. We've been doing this over Zoom for two years, so it's nice to actually have these hearings again in person. So thank you for all being here. Uh, my name is Constance Wild. I'm with the Marin County Assessor's Office. I've been doing appraisals for approximately 15 years. Um, and a portion of that was as a fee appraiser doing a combination of commercial as well as residential properties. And I have been with the Marin County Assessor's Office doing ad valorem assessment for approximately five years. So as Ms. Balth has said, this is a base year perspective, a, a purchase price perspective. So any relief given would be as of lien date 20, but this is for the purchase price on January of 2018. Um, as Mr. McQuinn has said, the property, it's a single family residence in Bolinas. It sold on January, in January of 2018, all cash, for $1,810,000. It was a brokered sale. The assessor is bound to laws and statutes for the California State Constitution, the Board of Equalization, and specifically Property Tax Rule 2 and Revenue and Taxation Code 110, and those are in our valuation report on pages 2 and 3. The assessor enrolled the sales price because we viewed it to be an open market transaction. It was listed on the MLS, and we have an exhibit of that. Um, that I don't know if you, okay. I don't know if you have a copy of this. So it was listed on the MLS, and here is a copy of that listing. And it was exposed to the open market. There was a reasonable amount of time to find a seller in the Bolinas market. Um, so in order to, look, to determine fair market value, we do look at the actions of the buyers and sellers. As Mr. McQuinn has says, Bolinas is a very small market. There are very few available homes for sale in Bolinas. I looked at sales in 2017 and 2018. In all of 2017, there were only 11 sales of single family homes in Bolinas. In the first quarter of 2018, which, went, which is when this sale occurred, there were only five sales, and only two out of those five sales were listed on the open market. The rest of them were what they call pocket listings. It's kind of an exclusive market, and the broker who brokered this property, um, it's a common practice there to uh, work independently with buyers and sellers without formally listing the property on the open market. So since we determined it was a, an open market transaction, but acknowledging that there's a limited number of sales, the assessor did their due diligence and again looked to the actions of the buyers and sellers and did a market comparison approach. And that is located at the last page of the valuation report, page 17. But before we actually look at the comparables, I want to paint a picture of the subject property. Um, on pages Pages five through eight of the valuation report. There, these are listing photos that we got from realtor.com. So this is, these were photos that were used to market the property.
So as you can see on page seven, um, the home has a remodeled kitchen. It has that open concept space. It has new countertops, a new cabinetry, new appliances, a farmhouse sink. There's recessed lighting. All of these things are extremely desirable in the real estate market, but not often present in the Bolinas market. On pages, uh, on page eight, you also see uh, the remodeled bathroom and an overview of the downstairs living and dining area. While the home was built in 1962, it's had many updates as permit history uh, illustrates as well as these online photos that are available for your view. There was, uh, the bath kitchen and bathrooms were remodeled in 2007 and in 2005, uh, new siding and new windows were installed and a 300 square foot addition was added to the home as well as a large uh, deck on the side of the home. <coughs> the home is fully fenced um, and has a landscaped yard. It does slope downwards to the west uh, where the creek is, the seasonal creek, um, but there, are, there is plenty of usable area. And I have some additional photos of the subject property as well, also obtained from the online listing at realtor.com. So as you can see from the photos in that exhibit, the home is in good condition. It has been updated and has many modern, amenit modern amenities, not as, which are not typically seen in many of the homes in Bolinas. So looking at the comparables, um, we used three comparables. Two of the three that we used were the same as Ms. Merquin's, so we did come into agreement on what homes were the most similar. Um, the first comparable that we used um, was 160 Iris, and it is the most similar to the subject. Um, as you can see on page uh, nine, it has that uh, shake, shake, shingle siding um, that's typical for a lot of Bolinas homes. But the kitchen, while it's remodeled, it's not quite up to the same quality and class as that of the subject. The same goes for uh, the bathroom and living area on page 10 of the valuation report. Comparable to 400 Evergreen has that same siding, so it looks on, similar to the subject from the exterior, but as you'll see on page 11, the interior is a little more rustic. Uh, the kitchen is a very basic kitchen. There is limited cabinetry and just limited finishes overall. Following on page 12, also for comparable to 400 Evergreen, 
The bathroom is a minimalist bathroom with meaning minimalist in the sense of very limited finishes, um, as well as the photo below that showing that living area with uh, the stove and older windows um, and just lack of cabinetry and finish. And then comp number three is 261 Larch Road. And as you'll see on page 13 of the evaluation report, the exterior, look, exterior looks very different from the subject and comparables one and two. Um, it's actually rather atypical of properties in Bolinas. Uh, it's, we looked at the historic records of the property and it is built to a lower quality construction. It's a vertical siding construction, which is just not as common in Bolinas, the Bolinas market. And then as we look at the kitchen, the kitchen is remodeled. Um, so that is similar to the subject in that sense. Um, but if you look at the ceiling, it's the exposed beam ceiling. You don't have, the, you don't have that brighter ceiling. You don't have smooth ceiling or recessed lighting. On page 14, uh, we do see that that property does have a remodeled bath. It is very contemporary, as well as, as the living area, uh, shown also on page 14 below that. Where the difference comes in for comparable number three is its size. It, sorry about that. It's significantly larger than the subject and the other two comparables. It's just shy of 1,800 square feet, but it only has one bedroom, which leads to some functional obsolescence for the property. If someone's purchasing a home that's almost 1,800 square feet that has two and a half bathrooms, it likely would have more than one bedroom. However, this property does not. We made appropriate adjustments to the differences and characteristics for the comparables. It's noted that the subject, that the market doesn't recognize differences for every single different, doesn't make, doesn't recognize, doesn't make adjustments for every every difference in character, property characteristics. So as you can see on the MCF, the market comparison form, on the last page of the valuation report, page 17, the unadjusted sales price range was a low of approximately 1.4 million to a high of 2 million. The adjusted range narrows from a low of 1.5 million to a high of just over 1.9 million. Comparable one is hands down the best comparable to the subject. And if you look at the adjustment totals for that, it's, it's their minimal adjustments, which shows that it really was a comparable property to the subject. Comparable number two is slightly inferior to the subject and less weight was placed on that. And comparable three was included because we, it had some characteristics that were similar with the subject, but as previously stated, there were really a very limited number of comparables to use for the property. We excluded uh, the property on Dogwood just because it's a completely different property than the subject. It's less than half the size and was listed for half the amount uh, of the sale price. And I do have some an exhibit for uh, Dogwood. 
one page back for each single page. So you can see it's more, when you get the exhibit, it's more of a rust, it's really a rustic cottage. It has very minimal finishes. And we really felt that it didn't compare to the subject or any of the comparables that were utilized. It was so inferior that we didn't consider it a comparable. Can I just ask, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you're saying dogwood's not comparable, why, because of size or? Um, because, of, because of size and construction, and it was just listed at a different price point. It was listed at less than a million dollars, and you just get a different type of product and a different type of buyer for that type of property. So on page 15 of the valuation report, we have some aerial photos um, showing the location of the subject in relation to all of Bolinas. And then below that, we have a location map of the subject in relationship to the comparables that we utilized. And as you can see, all of those comps really were in close proximity to the subject and they share many similar characteristics. And then following that on page 16 of the valuation report, you see the subject parcel map. Um, the original parcel that was purchased in January of 2018 is in red, and the portion in blue is the additional parcel that Mr. McQuinn purchased uh, several years later. Um, because of changes in technology, all of the overlays, so the photo uh, the aerial photo below shows the parcels have since been combined. We can't go back and edit that to show uh, what was uh, existing at the time of the purchase. So in conclusion, um, after looking to the actions of the buyers and sellers in the market, and recognizing the limited market, we determined through the sales comparison approach that a reasonable fair market value for the subject was approximately between 1.96 and 1.98. However, we did recognize that sale three is a comparable and it did have some minimal weight. Therefore, our concluded fair market value for the subject is $1,875,000. Per property tax rule two, this falls within 5% of the reported sales price of $1,810,000. So we did accept that sale price of $1,810,000 as fair market value. As such, the assessor recommends no change. Mr. McQuinn, do you have any questions for the assessor's office? Yeah, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. First of all, when you were talking about iris, um, there are dens and studios in that that could be used for bedrooms. Um, second of all, the MLS um, went on, according to your information, on December 3rd, I purchased, uh, 2017, I purchased it on, the final was on January 10th, 2018, 
obviously uh, the minimum escrow period is 30 days, so that, you know, was maybe a week at the most that it could have even been on MLS before somebody made an offer. So regarding that, I'm just, I'm just saying that there really wasn't, uh, you know, exposed to the public. Um, and my argument isn't about the values of the home, it's about the land. And the land, according to the assessor, was 1.4 million, and the home was 400,000. And as I put in the letter to to you, um, I felt that the home was underassessed, and that the property was overassessed. So that's really my argument. And um, you know, so and the only reason I used dogwood is because Vera had recommended it, and because of the usable land. Uh, situation. Those were the only things. And I don't know if this matters or not, but uh, if you go on Willow, the actual value of the home now is lower than it was at that. So uh, those are my only responses to those, uh, your position. Just to clarify, are you, are you talking about Zillow? Zillow. I'm Zillow. Sorry, okay. <laughs> Can I ask, so to, to his point regarding land versus improvement value, mm -hmm. does the assessor's office have any breakdown of the assessor's costs of what the land value of the sale and We looked at the properties as a whole. Um, the, we were required by the Board of Equalization to do an allocation between land and improvement. But in this case, we looked at the properties as a whole. We didn't look at um, the allocation of each of these. And then just for my own understanding, like on this page 16, there's this yellow outline. Mm -hmm. I presume that's just identifying the lots and improvements as opposed to the entire lot. That is that is the entire lot with the additional portion that was purchased. So okay. if you look at the, the uh, image above that, um, with the yellow and, I'm sorry, the red and blue boxes, the L-shaped red box is the parcel that was purchased in January of 2018. Uh, subsequently, the property that Mr. McQueen referred to on Hawthorne is that smaller uh, blue rectangle. Okay. And they've now been combined as one parcel. So any imagery available to us shows that new parcel. We can't go back, which is that yellow rectangle. And this here would just be the sloped area on the side? Yeah, actually, look. That's a long way. Okay, so the, the top, the higher angle yellow line yeah, going towards me. That is um, the area that borders the creek. The other, the opposite side is the street side. Is is this area here the wooded area on the side? Is this sloped as well? Well, that's not actually. Uh, yeah, it's sloped. It's all sloped. It's basically if you're going, the alder goes down like this, and so. Then it slopes down like this. So obviously the higher point is even going to be higher at the upper end than it is at the lower end. So it slopes at a, it's not sloping off of a straight edge, it's sloping off of an angled edge. So the like uh, like Constance said, the, the northwest corner is going to be the lowest corner. Okay. Somewhere in Lincoln Drive. 
And we've asked uh, the clerk of the board to distribute um, another exhibit. It shows the height. We ran hydrology reports for all of the for the compar for the subject property as well as the comparables that we utilized, and it does show where the seasonal stream does go through the subject property at the northwest corner. And that exhibit should be coming shortly. Um, does I, I believe, Mr. McQuinn, you said you think the the true value of the improvements would be 800000 Is that right? As far as the structure itself? Oh, well, let's see. I, I, it's on page one. It's like uh, they had valued the property, the land, at uh, 800000 Wait a second. What did they do? Oh, oh, they valued the house at 412000 and the land at 1428000 I don't know what the breakdown of these other properties are, but I think that that would be pertinent because obviously they think that it's, the land is at least three times w more valuable than the, the improvement. Okay, on your application, as far as the improvements, your opinion is 600,000 versus the $800,000? Well, yeah, I, I felt that like uh, Constance was saying, I think that uh, the house was is nice it was assessed at. But I, my argument, like I said from the beginning, is that I just don't feel the land is comparable to the other parcels. Does the assessor have an opinion regarding that $600,000 number that's being offered with respect to the improvements? With regards to the overall property value, and I'm not sure if Mr. McQuinn is um, looking at the the total property value um, or not. And when you, when that statement is made, um, let me ask, if I may, I'm going to kind of reverse this a little bit and ask a question of Mr. McQuinn. Um, uh, okay. Mr. McQuinn, would you be comfortable if we reallocated the total purchase price? Would that be acceptable to you? So in other words, we readjusted the value that's applied to the improvement and to the land? You mean change the ratio? Yes, but the value, the overall value would be the same. Uh so in other words, we wouldn't be changing your your purchase price value. Yeah, no, I, that that's really not consequential. I don't, because as, as I see it, it's one thing. So I'm looking at the value compared to other properties, is what I'm looking at, and that's if you if you just change the ratio and the total is the same. That really has no bearing at all. Okay. Okay. So you are looking for a reduction, an overall reduction, and um, that you want reflected in the land value. Yes. Okay. Reflected okay. 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 That that clarifies a question I had. So thank you very much. I guess another question I had is: Did you mention that the assessor's office offered a hundred thousand dollar reduction for one tax year is that right would you explain that to me what, what, what so that that is a, a different valuation date so uh, anytime uh, a property is assessed under proposition 13 the assessor can look at the value annually thereafter and if there's a determination made that there's a reduction in value after evaluation date such as in Mr. McQuinn's case he purchased in 2018 uh, we looked at evaluation date at a later year however that doesn't have any bearing on the value that we're um, arguing or are hearing today the valuation date today is as of his purchase which is January 10 2018 
another thing I'd like to, to focus in on, as we've mentioned earlier, is that this is a very unique area. Bolinas is very small. It doesn't serve us well if we look at comparables in Stinson Beach, which is, you know, a very close community. But Stinson Beach is just a whole different market. So Bolinas is a very, oh, a very small market. And I believe that the um, person that was in our office looking at the comparables had a very limited viewpoint. We, we usually try and look at comparables um, around January 1 of any given year that we're looking at this temporary reduction, as Mr. McQuinn had mentioned earlier in testimony. Hmm. And there's a very limited comp scheme. So I think that's kind of where the view was, was focused. But really with this valuation, we're focused on January 10, 2018. And so we're looking at the comps that are available. Additionally, it's the burden of the applicant to prove that whatever purchase price he paid does not represent fair market value. And that's under Revenue and Taxation Code 110 and Property Tax Rule 2. That burden is on him to, um, and I'll read just one paragraph from uh, the purchase price presumption, and this is out of your assessor's handbook, pages 85 through 86. The party asserting that the full value is other than the purchase price paid bears the burden of proving that the sale was not an open market transaction. And I think we heard testimony today from, from Mr. McQuinn um, that he, he has some knowledge of the area of Bolinas, uh, he has a girlfriend that lives in the area, and it's a it's a small community, so I would assume that there's some some idea of what's happening in the marketplace there. He did use an agent, um, and although it was not listed on MLS, it's pretty typical for that area that um, you work with one broker, and that one broker knows the area, and they know everybody in the community, and um, he purchased the property will willingly. Um, a couple questions for Mr. McQuinn, just to clarify. The assessor's office passed around these photos, kind of like the improvements of the landscape. Mm -hmm. Was that was that how it was when you purchased the property, or is that later? Is that later? Uh, I can. I'm not sure which picture you're showing. Uh, there's two properties, or they it says, showed. It the says additional subject property photos from Realtor.com. Well, the one with the the larger fence on the front is that what you're talking about? No, I, I think, I believe these are from the subject property. Am I correct? Th that's, that's correct. And those these, were the listing photos. These these have at, at the top of the of the first one, it says additional subject property okay. photos. Okay, all right. So what you want to know is have I made any changes or are these the actual? I'm just asking if this is how it was at the date of purchase or, or if, there, if these are reflect later improvements. No, that's, that's what it looks like then. Okay. Doesn't look as good now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I have one more question, which is regarding the MLS listing. The list price is, I believe, a million seven eighty-five. Were yeah, you aware I don't know of that price at that time? Pardon me. Were you aware of that list price at the time you purchased? You made the offer. You know, I I just remember it paying one point eight eight one. That's what I remember paying. Um, I don't remember the, li the original list price being that because, um, uh, you know, I can't honestly tell you exactly what was going through my mind then in terms of, you know, what was told to me and what I paid. 
other than the numbers in front of me. So j just to clarify, did the agent say that the property was listed at a million eight ten? I can't remember him saying that, but I'm assuming maybe he did, but he may not have. Um, he may have said I could get it for a million eight, or he said it was going on multiple listing. I don't remember exactly. I can't. I did look at a few houses, so um, just, you know, that's all I can tell you. He didn't uh, disclose, you know, the weather situation out there. I know that we didn't have much rain last year, but this year we had that one burst in, uh, I don't know, November, whatever it was. And if you look at that picture, when you come back up towards the house, the picture that you see here that you just showed me, that area did not get wet, but there's another 50 feet beyond that towards the creek that's gets mushy, so you can't really utilize a lot of it during that period. And it, it's just let, I, I just left the trees there. They're willow trees and, and brush because it's kind of native and uh, it's not really functional for humans, but you know, I could, I could cut it down and use it seasonally, but that's about it. This, that picture you showed that that you were looking at that you showed me, you can see the uh, willows behind that tree with the with, behind that picture with the umbrella on it. And those willows are known as creek willows. So that's where they thrive in their moisture. Any questions from fellow board members? Um. Shall I proceed to closing? Closing statement? I think I covered the closing um, just a couple minutes ago, and I would just ask <coughs> that the board members refer back to the assessor's valuation report, specifically pages three and four, that um, highlight the reference uh, to the statutory guidelines for assessing um, properties as well as uh, the purchase price presumption. And as we've stated um, earlier today, it's really looking at the actions of the buyers and the sellers. And in this particular case, uh, it's the assessor's opinion that we have uh, reflected from the action of Mr. McQuinn that he's a knowledgeable buyer um, and he willingly purchased the property at the purchase price. Thank you. Mr. McQuinn, any final comments? Um, just that my uh, comparables were with the land and the usage of the land. And the only other thing regarding what was just stated was that uh, when I first contacted the assessor's office, Vera told me that one of the considerations is when the uh, representative, the realtor, represents both sides. So those are my only two uh, positions on that. Well, thank you to both sides for a thoughtful okay. presentation. Thank right, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Marquinn. Well, why, don't, why don't we just take maybe a 10-minute little break? Um, I have 1010 right now. Come back at 1020 and then we can kind of move on with it. Okay. Thank you.
curious, no worries. We all have been. So, I'm adjusting the When did they make a decision? Marie? I saw your name on the email, but I never met you. Well, that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. That was we used to be able to turn them on and off down. Coming back to you, it's kind of wonderful. I, I just I had this assumption in my head that it was on Still Zoom. Still on. Oh, there we go. I was just sitting there.
can you take it on the screen? Yeah. And then that blue, that one. That's okay. And then we can uh, pull up the stipulation. Yeah, on right? Right. And we can go ahead. Get a, get a six month report. <laughs> Are you the one that always puts the chair up really high? <laughs> My secret's out. back on all right so we're back on the record here um, before we proceed uh, I'd like to make a motion to take the last matter I believe the McQuinn um, application under submission I'll second board member Brinkerhoff aye board member Gremmels yes chair Kugelman yes um, okay so it looks like we have kind of two batches of uh, items left stipulations and then um, cases in which confirmations were not received. So I figured maybe we, next we could just do the stipulations, have those presented to us. We could take a few minutes to review the group of those and then come back with any questions, if that makes sense. Sure. All right, thank you. Hello, good morning. It's Rick Rosales from Marine County Assessor. I'm the Principal Auditor Appraiser. I have not been sworn in, so I'm wondering if I have to give testimony later, if I can be sworn in. Now for you. Okay, raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear and affirm under penalty of perjury that the testimony you shall give in this matter shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Thank you. All right, please proceed. I guess we need oh. to call each stipulation individually. I want to look at them first. However you'd like to proceed, um, Mr. Chair, uh, you can certainly look through the stipulations and then if you have any questions, um, ask those questions. Typically in the past, how we've processed through this is um, you look at the stipulations and then if you have questions, you ask them and then read off the case number and say, you know, case by case number, accepted, accepted, or approved. I guess I would appreciate, I guess, maybe if we start with 20-0140, the Renison Hotels. And is that the first one on the list there? Okay. Um, Perhaps maybe just a little bit of explanation or summary sure. if possible. Um, I have um, um, John, Mr. John Offerman from our office, and uh, he is knowledgeable on that particular um, stipulation. And Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Subject property is uh, Wild Fox Restaurant, and which is freeway visible uh, along the 101 freeway. And um, there's really nothing uh, extremely notable about the property other than 
there is a large amount of land uh, for the subject, much larger than what the restaurant needs to operate and much larger than all of the comparable sales. Uh, so the, <clears throat> the comparative sales approach assessor performed is standard in every way except for that difference in land. And in our determination, uh, that excess land could be developed and used separately, and therefore it was valued at full market value. So um, in other words, we value the restaurant using other comparable sales, and in addition, add the value of that extra land using comparable sales for the total fair market value of the subject property. Um, fortunately, we were able to find uh, quite a few restaurants, five to be exact, um, that were close in proximity as well as tight in their uh, value per square foot. A couple of their listings and three are actual sales with a, with a range of uh, $395 per square foot up to $469 per square foot. And uh, for the subject property, we're in the middle at $438 per square foot. Oh, okay, yeah, a little bit of history on, on this subject as well. Um, <clears throat> as of January 1st, 2020, prior to the pandemic, this restaurant was doing uh, very well. Uh, we received a history from the owner uh, that their sales had been steadily going up at a, at a fair pace. And <clears throat> shortly thereafter, in March of 2020, when the orders to close restaurants was issued throughout the state and the country, this restaurant uh, closed and um, did not reopen, unfortunately, and has been replaced by Perry Steakhouse, which is opening this month. Um, Although most of that's not, well, what happened after the lien date is not, is not relevant, but it is an interesting history. And just a little history. Um, John, if you would provide uh, a little bit of a bio on your work life. And we're, we're very fortunate to have John Offerman with our office. Um, very, very fortunate. He's got a great deal of um, commercial experience, commercial appraisal experience um, throughout the state. So, John, if you would just give a little bit of a bio. Um, I have over 30 years experience in, in appraisal uh, with over 10 years in Los Angeles County and about a year and a half here in Marin and then working on the other side at various um, law and accounting firms representing individual taxpayers throughout the state. Um, I also have some experience uh, in eminent domain appraisal as well. Oh, and quite a bit of accounting. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we can move on to the next one, 20-00141, Andy D. Boyson. Okay. Um, and that's uh, Dave Seeby with our <laughs> office who's been working on that. Dave, if you want to give just a little bit of overview of your history as, as well. 
Good morning, board members. My name is David Seavey. I'm an appraiser three in the assessor's office. I um, just hit my 20th year uh, in the assessor's office last month. Uh, I specialize in um, residential appraisal. And so um, in front of us here, we have a stipulation uh, for uh, a parcel in um, San Rafael. And this is uh, 90 Manderley in San Rafael. It's in the uh, Loch Loman area, San Rafael. It was uh, purchased, I believe, in 2017 um, for two. Let me just bring this up. I'm sorry you that exact purchase price in 17 but the owners just requested a one-year decline review and after a net analyzing the comparable sales in the neighborhood um, came to the conclusion that they were the fair market value was below the fully factored um, I'm sorry they purchased in uh, 2015 for two million three hundred and twenty one thousand that was a market sale, the property had been significantly remodeled uh, or I'll well, we use the word flipped um, just prior to their purchase. So it had um, all new kitchen, bathrooms, uh, interior features were all new. So in, uh, in that, that's what gives it its uh, effective year of 2000 and a class of 8.5. It's because of that prior remodel work the property uh, owner um, allowed me to view the interior of the property, so I did have a chance to uh, walk the property inside and out with the owner. Um, there's no major defects um, with the property, um, but I was able to confirm that the view, um, although in our system it says water, um, the, the, the house is oriented um, west facing so it's it's really its dominant view is of mount tam um, but it does when you look to the left you do see a peekaboo of of the uh, san pablo bay so technically it does have a water view but really it's a, a mount tam view that's the dominant um, so on comp number one i am making an adjustment because it does have more of a dominant bay view um, and then also on comp number two, I'm making a negative adjustment of 200,000. It also says bay, and it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's a peekaboo bay view between the trees, um, and, and I, I deemed it to be an inferior view uh, overall to the subject. Um, but all three comps are in the uh, very close and in the subject's neighborhood, and you can see they sold for um, the highest sale was at 2.4. So... Um, unadjusted at 2.4 and then the lowest sale of uh, comp number three at a million nine eighty. So after making adjustments for all the differences between these properties, um, I arrived at a fair market value of 2.4 million. And as you can see from the first page of the stipulation, that is a, um, a roughly $149,000 um, reduction from their fully factored base year value. So if you have any specific questions, I um, can answer those for you.
right, I guess the next one is 20-0268, Chelsea Pacific Holdings. Yes, and that's John Offerman. This is the former Mancini Sleep World, which is down off of Bellum. As, as Ms. Balfe said, this is the, it is a retail warehouse. Um, it's right next to the post office, if you're familiar with that area. Uh, it does have high visibility and high traffic. However, uh, Mancini's moved out in early of 2019, leaving the property vacant as of January 1st, 2020, and it has still not filled to date. Um, so I'm not exactly sure uh, why. I think the pandemic has, has something to do with that. Um, so it has been vacant for, for a few years now. Um, there are um, strongly comparable sales that I've listed in the area. And uh, the, the range of value per square foot is tight. Um, I'd just like to point out one thing that may uh, come to mind when you're looking over this comparable sales chart. And that is uh, we did come outside the range a little bit above what the comparable sales were uh, for a similar reason as what I mentioned regarding Wild Fox. And that is the subject property has more land than the subject com uh, uh, rather than the comparable sales. And that's why we're a little bit above. Uh, but otherwise, these are very strong comparable sales and uh, support the value that, that we are asking you to approve today. Yes, that, that's a property in West Shore, Belvedere, and um, again, Dave CB will address a summary for you. Okay, so this, this property, uh, 41 West Shore, it was purchased, I knew there was one in 2017, but the purchase purchased in 2017 for $7,400,000. Um, uh, board members, I don't know if you're familiar with the West Shore uh, of Belvedere, but there's... Um, at a point in the past, the land uh, underneath these homes was owned by the Belvedere Land Company, and some of them were um, leased. And then over time, property owners have been buying out the leases. So there's um, it can be tricky to appraise as far as when you look at these sales on West Shore, you have to understand, are they buying um, the, the improvements only? Uh, with a land lease or are they buying the full bundle of rights and so I have made sure to uh, investigate this sale in which um, at 7.4 million in 2017 it did uh, include the full bundle of rights and uh, all three of my comparable sales uh, also uh, had these uh, land leases bought out at some time in the past prior to the uh, purchases. So um, I'm using three comparable sales, all on West Shore, all uh, facing uh, and on the water. Uh, comp number one is the is you know, given the most weight. It is right next door to the subject. 
Um, it was um, the subject was built new in 2009, uh, and comp number one was built new in 2013. So, um, you know, it's it's fully factored. I'm sorry. Let me give you that. It was seven million eight fifty two eight eight zero. So that's the seven point four million purchase price factored up to the 2020 tax year. Um, again, just looking at that fully factored of seven eight, there were no sales on West Shore um, above that amount. So that's where we started looking at. Um, a possible reduction in the assessed value. Um, but, um, you know, the other two comparables, 89 and 63 West Shore, um, are not new homes but um, have been significantly remodeled. But So I am saying that they are in inferior condition compared to the subject, which has everything new as of 2009. So again, just you know, saying they ha they they all have similar waterfront locations um, with views of the water and um, docks that um, allow access for boating uh, on on the San Francisco Bay. So um, and then just looking at you know a couple of the properties did have solar. Uh, installed on the roof, so made a, a, an adjustment for that. But otherwise, just in making adjustments for the differences uh, between these properties and the subject, I came to a fair market value conclusion of $7.5 million, which is a reduction of $352,880 for the uh, lien date 20 tax year. Again, any questions you have, I can answer them for you. I, I move we approve the uh, remaining stipulations. I'll second that. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Aye. Board Member Gremmels? Yes. Chair Kugelman? Uh, yes. Thank you. All right. It looks like the remaining items we have on the, as far as cases are these. Where we don't have confirmations uh, returned. Um, Maybe call the case, see if anybody's here. And uh... Case number 210103-120 Park Street Associates. I guess we'll let the record reflect that no, uh, no one's appeared for the applicant. Next case is 200106 Shanks Family Trust. Again, no one has appeared for the applicant in this case. Case 200165, QuickServe Enterprises, Inc. And again, no applicant has appeared. I move that we dismiss these cases for failure to appear. I'll second that. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Yes. Board Member Gremmels? Yes. 
Chair Kugelman. Yes. Um, it looks like the last item on the agenda is the two-year deadline report. Oh, there's there's yeah. one one other case, Mr. Chair. Um, the Paul, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. I apologize. I thought oh, that was that taken one. care of. Yes. Sorry, yes. That yeah. was the one that submitted the stipulations yes. inadvertently. Yes. And it's supposed to be a withdrawal. That's 20.0113 and 20.0114. Paul and Jean Neodomsky. Neodomsky. I'm sure we did not get that correct, no. but <laughs> apologize for that. We tried. So this is um, uh, um, Rick Rosales has been in contact with the boat owner. And Rick, I'm sure you have a little bit of input as to your conversations with him. Yeah, good morning, Board of Rick Rosales. Um, I am the Principal Auditor Appraiser with Marin County. I'm also an active CPA in the state. Um, it's normal for us to work with taxpayers whenever they disagree with our assessments. In this particular case, we had assessed the taxpayer for the years 2019 and 20, and he had appealed those years. Um, for the 2019 year, we had assessed it originally based on a sales contract we had obtained that was signed from 2018. Um, it was later determined just as of yesterday that was just an agreement to buy the vessel. Um, the vessel was being built at that time. As of the lien date we assessed it in 2019, the taxpayer did not take delivery of the vessel until July or August of 2019, rendering our 2019 assessment invalid. So we w I went ahead and corrected it yesterday. Um, in discussion with the taxpayer, he was not interested in appealing the 2020 year anymore. So he said as long as the 2019 got corrected, he was going to withdraw. He did on the notice of hearing state he had stipulated it was an incorrect application of his action. He really wanted to withdraw, um, and he had no intention of coming today after the correction yesterday. So um, we did the <laughs> correction appropriately, and I think we're good now. I, I, perhaps one action that the board could take on this is, is deny this for failure to appear, which basically does the same thing. Doesn't hurt his record at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I move we move we dismiss for failure to appear. A second. Board member Brinkerhoff. Yes. Board member Gremmels. Yes. Chair Kugelman. Yes. I guess now we can move on to the to your uh, report. So the two-year deadline report, um, I'll kind of just, uh, I'll just go through each line item. So the first case was heard by uh, the appeals board on February 25th of this year. So we're just waiting for a decision on that one. Um, the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the next seven cases um, were all scheduled and taken care of at today's hearing. Um, then we're going to 20-150, which is scheduled uh, for our next hearing next month in June, uh, along with 2151. Then also we have um, another case, uh, 21-0157, which was heard in February, and we're just waiting for a decision on that one. Uh, the Quicksilver Enterprises we just went over today is withdrawn, failure to appear. 20-0206. 
is scheduled for hearing um, in June, along with the final two, 2208 and 20315, uh, both scheduled. So the two-year deadline report is looking good. We have uh, all the cases that are on here have either um, been heard or are scheduled to be heard next month. Great. Any other uh, comments? No, I, I think that that um, takes care of the calendar for today. And as um, Dave CB had mentioned, is we're doing pretty good um, with making sure that the cases are heard within the two-year deadline. But we still have an outstanding group of um, appeals, and uh, we expect the market to soften just a little bit. So it may we may see a higher uh, volume of appeals coming up. Um, in the next uh, application period, which is uh, closes at the end of November of this year. Um, and we're already starting to get quite a few inquiries in our office about values, um, especially with people that have purchased at the height of the market. So we expect to see some volume picking up coming up here in the future. Uh, also, I might add, as you can see, um, we are being... Um, recorded electronically and then everything is posted up on these leave it's four um, screens uh, from what I understand from the moderator in the back is that we can uh, now start um, putting the valuation reports up on these um, screens for you to see and I don't know if that would be more helpful to the board members or not and something that can be put onto the uh, next annual meeting for your your boards for both boards to discuss um, possibilities of doing that as well as putting that um, a, a description on how an applicant may able may be able to do the same thing. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Just out of curiosity, though, can you guys see the screens from where you're sitting? You can't see those, but we. The ones you can't. Okay, so you can't. Okay, okay yeah, good. Right, because they're right in front of you, right? Yeah. 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 But I, you know, I, I find it much easier to look at a whole page than to. I wouldn't be able to control scrolling on any of that. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, although it might be, it might be great for public, uh, who doesn't have it since it is public. Um, I don't. I don't think it would be helpful for us at all. Okay. I, I agree because you can't take you can't take notes off of that screen. So you would still have the hard copies that would still be given to oh, you. Okay. Um, so it, this would just be an addition. And one of the things I thought about today when we were talking about the hydrology of um, Mr. Uh, Quinn's pro property is it might have been a little bit easier if we had a cursor to show that, you know, this is exactly where we're talking about. This is where the creek would run through the property. So, um, so you'd have the opportunity to use both the paper copy as well as the electronic. We're not talking about replacing that because I think we're all fans of the, the paper copy, especially if you're hearing something for the very first time. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's good to see everybody. Yes, yes. If this, yeah, this is much nicer than the, uh, the Zoom for sure. I will make a motion to adjourn. I'll second. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Yes. Board Member Gremmels? Yes. Chair Kugelman? Yes, thank you.
Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.